right, Acts chapter 3. In our series, Rich and Poor Together. Let's see what the Lord has for us. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, reading from the New King James Version, the Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock our time. The Jewish people would have a time of prayer in the morning and in the afternoon. This is the afternoon prayer time. Verse 2, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. One moment. There were several gates leading into the city of Jerusalem. This particular gate called the Beautiful Gate was also known as the Bronze Gate because it was made of this kind of bronze that glowed and it looked like gold. And so it was known as the beautiful gate. He could not go into the temple because he was a crippled, lame man, but he's outside the gate and he's begging. He's asking for alms. Alms are charitable gifts to the poor. Not only are they charitable gifts to the poor, they are gifts that the righteous are expected to give to the poor. So this man placed himself in a position to get gifts from righteous people going into the temple of God and coming out of the temple of God. And righteous people are to do righteous things, to give charitable gifts, to give underwear, to give clothes, to give food, to give water. That's what we do. And so the Bible says in verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms. Now look this way. When a beggar would ask for alms, and even in this text, a beggar would have his hands extended and his head down. So the head would be down and the hand would be extended. So verse 4 says, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, so Peter looks at the man with his head down, and he says to him, look at us, because his head is down. So he says, look at us. So he gave them, you can keep playing. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. So this means Peter was not a prosperity preacher of today because you'll never catch a preacher today with no silver and gold, right? That's what they say is prosperity. A bruh man was broke. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately... Anybody need God to do something immediately? Yes. His feet and ankle bones receive strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then he knew, or then they knew, that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I call your attention to verse 4. And the Bible says, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. Look at us. So with the help of God, I'd like to talk to the people of God today on the subject of, Look at us or look at me. Look at me. Let's pray. God, thank you for preserving your word so that we can have a copy, an authoritative copy in 2019. It's a gift. Not every believer around the world has a copy of your word. Not every believer knows how to read. But God, we are so blessed and we are blessed to be a blessing to whom much is given, much is required. There's a word for us today in Acts 3. I pray that you would give it to us. 
I pray that you would shine light on this passage. And that, Lord, we would get something. We would glean something. And we would go and do something. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at me. So Peter felt it necessary to make eye contact with this man. Because when you make eye contact with someone, you are showing them respect. You are showing them dignity. You acknowledge their personhood. And the only time a believer is to look down on someone is when we're trying to lift them and I'm looking at you because I want to touch your soul. I want to see who you are because just like me, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're no better. I'm no better. You're no worse. I'm no worse. We're all creatures of our God and King. Look at me. Make eye contact with me. Because for the wealthy, the healthy. We look at the poor and the sick as those people. But the poor and the sick look at the healthy and the wealthy as those people. So we are those people to those people. But God is trying to encourage us that we're all people. We're all together in this one, but not the same and so Peter says, look at me because you're valuable. And then we know from the story that Peter and John, through the authority that's in the name of Jesus, they're able to give this man what money cannot buy. His greatest need was not money at that time. And even his greatest need was not even the physical healing. His greatest need was the transformation of his soul through the one who was able to heal his body. That man needed regeneration. He needed a new birth. He needed a new heart. He needed a new relationship with God. Just like when Jesus healed the paralytic in the Gospels, the Bible says before he even healed the man physically, he forgave the man of his sins. So when we talk about by his stripes we are healed, Yes, the stripes of Jesus has authority to heal the body, according to Matthew chapter 18. So we do pray, believing that Jesus will heal bodies. He died for sin, and he died for sickness that comes from sin. But theologically, we know that all healing ultimately occurs in heaven when we go and see the Lord. And so Jesus accomplishes full redemption of body, soul, and spirit. But every now and then, he breaks through in the earth to heal the body. We ask him, Lord, would you do a miracle, please? Give back sight. Heal from this disease. Lord, would you do this? Would you do that? But above all, the stripes of Jesus not only takes care of the physical, either here, but definitely later, the stripes of Jesus heals the sin-sick soul. That's what that man needed most. And so Peter and John said, we don't have money because money can't really help you right now. You need something to occur in your soul. And in order for that to happen, because he's going to go in the temple and we're going to see a transformation in him in this story, something had to happen to his body because the God we serve not only cares about souls, Jesus died to save souls, but he also cares about bodies that house the soul. And so God says, I'm going to heal you inside and out. But Peter says, look at me. Because I know people have passed you by over and over again, but I want you to look at me. But I just wonder for the rest of my teaching and preaching time today, what would happen, Strong Tower, if we flipped the script, if you will? What if we flip the script and rather than looking at this passage 
from the person who has power, if you will. That's Peter. That's John. Because it would be easy to look at this passage to talk about what people in power should do to help those without power. There are many principles we can gain. But what if we flipped it, and rather than looking at this passage through the eyes of Peter and John, who said, look at me or look at us, what if we looked at this passage through the eyes of this crippled poor man? Is there anything we can learn from him? What if he said, look at me? So I've come by here today to say, let's look at him. Because if we can go to an ant, Proverbs chapter 6, to get some wisdom. Then the Bible said that go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> learn from the ways of the ant. If we can learn from an ant, can't we learn from a crippled man, from a poor man? Now, I know, I know we're supposed to give the spiritual answers in here. But society is not built upon listening to, yet alone learning from people who are disenfranchised. But I'm here to let you know that <laughs> They've got more learning, more understanding, more knowledge than many of us who have multiple degrees. <laughs> because with God, wisdom, which is skilled living, is when you get your degree from street university. And a lot of folk don't have that degree from street university. So let's look at this story through the eyes of this crippled man, this lame man who gets healed. And let's look at number one, him saying to us, look at me, suffering. Look at me, suffering. Look at verse two. The Bible says, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. So he was lame. He could not walk, and he could not walk since birth. So that means he's been suffering for a long time. Because Acts chapter 4 verse 22 says that this man was over 40 years old. So he's been carrying this pain, this burden, this suffering for over 40 years. And he is stopping by today to say to some of us who are struggling with what we're suffering with, to say, hang in there. Trouble don't last always. But I know how we are. We're the generation that pops something in the microwave for 30 seconds, and we're so impatient, we pace in front of the microwave because we're used to getting something now. Don't let that internet speed slow down, and you don't get it in 2.4 seconds. Now you get it in 6.3. Oh, I got to get a new plan. But that's why one of the fruits of the Spirit is called long-suffering, the ability to suffer long, because God is working on us as he's working things out around us. If we got everything we wanted when we asked for it, we'd be spoiled children, and we wouldn't know the power of God. And also, by waiting on the Lord, our motives get purified, because a lot of things we think we want over time, we realize we don't want, neither do we need. So God just does not jump and answer the prayer immediately. Yes, he does some things immediately, but this was after he had waited over 40 years. So this man just stops by today to say, I know some of you have been suffering for a long time. When I go by the Ralston's house, this might be a good passage to read just to remind them that they are not by themselves with what they've been suffering for years with this young man. You know, when you read the Bible, you see people who've been suffering for a long time. There was a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. Abram, Abraham had to wait 25 years for God to fulfill what he promised when he called him. And so waiting on the Lord, waiting on God, suffering long, that we've been in a season that goes from a season of weeks to a season of months to a season of years. And we have sometimes the tendency to question God. But what I don't see in this text is this man questioning God or blaming God. Saying, why did you make me like this? I, I don't see this. Matter of fact, I see hope in God. Why do you see hope in God? 
Because he's at the temple of God. So if he doesn't have any hope in God, why would he be at the temple of God? And so he is not blaming God. And when we blame God, we are wasting our time. When we hold our breath and, 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 and talk about, I ain't going to serve him, we're wasting our time. God can hold his breath longer than you. Matter of fact, he gave you your breath to hold. But it's a testing of your faith. Everything's a testing of faith. Remember when Jesus healed the blind man in John chapter 9, the disciples said, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born this way. And Jesus said, neither. The man nor his parents sinned to bring about him being born blind. People are born blind. People are born with handicaps and physical limitations. That doesn't mean that somebody did something wrong. But Jesus said, this is for the glory of God. And this in chapter 3 of Acts is for the glory of God. And what you're going through is for the glory of God. You may not see it now. But in the meantime, adjust your attitude because your attitude determines your altitude. Let people watch you have joy in spite of what you're suffering. You've been dealt a heck of a hand in the words of Tupac. But play your hand because God is sovereign and in control. He didn't deal you that hand by accident. He dealt you the hand by providence. So look at this man and learn how to suffer. But before I go on, I, I, I got to stop and pause. He was born lame. Aren't you glad that his parents did not live in the United States of America or in New York or Virginia where they abort babies even all the way up to delivery? <laughs> Don't let it get quiet in here. Because we're pro-life, all of life, from the womb to the tomb. And I'm so glad that this man did not get aborted, thrown away, because someone in our day with technology can look at a child to see if a child has this missing or that missing. And if, if, if this child is undesirable, and if you want to throw the child away and start all over again with another child. Mm. I will praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, even if I'm made with limitations, because I'm still made in the image of God, and trouble don't last always. I'm going to get a new body. Jesus talked about it in Luke 16, about another man named Lazarus who was crippled, but he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom, i.e. heaven. And in heaven, he was able to walk around heaven all day. So earth's sorrows, or, 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 or heaven, how's it go? The old folks should say it. Earth knows no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Now, Lord, heal me now. Help me now. And help me fight for legislation that will protect a baby in the womb, the unborn. Or help me fight for legislation that will help the baby if the baby is poor born because there are parents who have limits on access to programs that will help the child and, and to grow if they're in poverty. And so many of them will say, I'm hopeless and I don't want to bring another baby into this world because of the poverty that I'm facing. So Lord, help us not only to be uh, 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 anti-abortion, but to be pro-life and pro-child and pro-everybody because everybody's been made in the image of God some of them just don't know it yet. Many of them, if not all of them, were, are like us who were lost and need to be found by Christ. Whether they're gay, straight, whatever, rich, poor, people need to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. I'm so glad this man didn't get aborted. But then let me move on to my second point. Look at me working. I don't know if y'all ready for this one. Look at the rest of verse 2. He says, this man was lame from his mother's womb. He was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Now, look beautiful up in the, Hebrew, in the Greek language. And, and the word beautiful in the Greek language is the word darina. And so he was laid <laughs> daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms. See, because when I first read this, when I would read this passage, I would get mad at the people who carried him. I'm like, y'all carrying him? 
why didn't y'all do more to help him? Then the Holy Ghost said, well, what are you doing to help people? <laughs> They're doing something just like the guys who carried their sick friend to Jesus on the mat and went through a roof to help their friend. Carrying, don't underestimate carrying and helping and serving and being a burden bearer. But watch this, don't miss this. Now, they carried him to the gate so that he could ask for alms. They helped him so that he could help himself. They didn't enable him. They didn't do all the work for him. Neither did they deny him and not help him at all. Because God has created this thing where it's good for all of us to work. Because God works and we're made in his image. He's a worker. We're supposed to work when we're able to work. And I don't know if you notice or not, but begging is work. I knew I wouldn't get an amen on that one, but <laughs> let me take you back to the lunchroom when you were in the 10th grade. And you had to beg to get some cookies because you didn't have any change that day. And you had to go through the lunchroom. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, shameful. You know, hey, man, y'all got a quarter? Anybody got a quarter? Anybody got a dime? <laughs> and if you remain a begging Benny, your friends don't want to see you coming because as soon as they see you, and everybody's had a friend like that. Every time you see him, hey, man, you got a quarter, man. You got a dollar, man. <laughs> but begging is work. Now, here it is, though. In the economy of the Jewish people, God says, people are poor. They're going to be with you, like we learned last week, but you make sure you're with them. Don't you segregate against them. Don't you judge them. Don't you condemn them. Matter of fact, God says, I want you to dignify them, and here's how. When you're reaping your fields, and some things fall on the ground, some corn stalks, and don't pick them all up. Leave them there for the poor to go and pick them up. And then when you're cutting your fields, don't feel like you got to cut all the way to the edge. Leave the edge so that people can come by and participate in the gleanings of the field. In other words, let some people who don't own a field come into your field and work in your field by picking up the stuff. That's how Ruth got blessed because she was poor. And she was out in the field picking up the gleanings and Boaz saw her and said, good googa mugga, who that girl out there? Matter of fact, y'all dropped some stuff off in front of her, you know. I got to know her name, doc. So it's just not about receiving handouts. It's about working to get those handouts. And the Bible says he was late there daily. That means he didn't have a day off. Because if he didn't work on a Friday, he might not eat on the Sabbath day. So he had to work. Daily meant that rain, he was out there. Cold, he was out there. Heat, which is most of the time in Israel, he's out there every day. He's working. So the people brought him to that place so he could work for himself because begging is work. My spiritual son, Cleon Harrison, said this, don't judge people's choices if you don't know their options. Because I'm sure somebody thought he was faking. Man, you faking like Eddie Murphy was in trading places. You not crippled. Some of y'all ain't going to get that, but the older ones, y'all know what I'm talking about. But we judge poor folks. But watch him working, y'all. Watch him working. At the temple, at the gate, do you think people disrespected him while he was out there? Do you think people cursed him and cussed him while he was out there? Do you think people gave him a mean stare while he was out there? Of course they did. And these were God's people. No wonder he kept his head down not wanting to make contact with those Christian people. Because they can be some of the meanest people you meet. They can judge you, put you down. It's like the story I heard of a pastor who had accepted a job at a church. He'd been preaching in another town, and, and he wanted to move to another town to be close to his family. So he interviewed for a position at a church in that city. And after the interview process, he got the job. And on the Sunday that they were announcing this pastor to begin his tenure at this church. 
he decided to do something a little unorthodox. He decided to dress up like a homeless man and camp out front of the church because he wanted to get a pulse on the kind of church that he was coming to lead. And so he dresses up the full gear and he has the shopping cart and the stuff is in there and he parks right out in front of this wonderful big church and all of the worshipers walk by to go into the temple to worship God. Some of them even looked at him like, you're irritating me with your presence. What are you doing here? Some of the security and the deacons came out to try to get him to move. Nobody asked him, can we help you? They just kept trying to move. He, he, he was an eyesore. He was a nuisance. Well, church starts at 1030 like most churches, and they go through worship, and then one of the deacons gets up and he says, at this time I want to introduce to you our new pastor. At that point, the pastor came walking down the center aisle, pushing his buggy, still in homeless garb. At first, the people are looking at this man saying, why is that homeless man inside here? What is he doing? Till he gets up to the platform, takes off the disguise, looks out at a shocked congregation and says, we have a lot of work to do. So look at this man working. For those of you who attempted to quit your job because it's just too hard. They look at me funny. My boss doesn't respect me. They talk to me any old kind of way. He kept showing up every day. We don't see that he's complaining. Look, you have a job. May not be the job you want, may not be the career you want, but guess what? You have a job. And maybe God is saying, can you be faithful in a few things before I promote you to more things? But we want to jump, and we're not prepared. Just like today, you're going to cook some food for the Super Bowl, but you're not pulling anything out of the oven until it's cooked inside. But a lot of us want to go to the next place because we look good on the outside, but we're raw on the inside. And God is saying, I got to leave you in the heat with this boss. I got to leave you in the heat with these coworkers. I got to leave you in the heat with this pay because I'm trying to take some stuff out of you while I'm putting some stuff in you so that when I promote you, you know how to handle promotion and you won't forget where you came from because you didn't get it overnight like an overnight sensation. You got to pay your dues, Generation X. You got to pay your dues. This homeboy paid his dues. He's working up in here. But not only that, look at this cat trusting. Look at verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him, speaking of Peter, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Look at this man trusting. Pastor, what do you mean? As I mentioned, I would imagine this man has been hurt a time or two. Not only by God's people, but probably by his own family, by other people who've looked down on him. He's been hurt a time or two. And some of us, when we get hurt, we don't want to trust nobody no more. If we get hurt by a man, we don't trust men. If we get hurt by women, we don't trust women. If we get hurt by the church, we don't trust the church. If we get hurt by black people, we don't trust black people. If we get hurt by white people, we don't trust white people. And on and on and on. And the enemy wants you to live your life in fear, not trusting anybody. But this man took a risk to look at Peter because he didn't know if Peter was going to blankety-blank him out. But he took a risk. He, he showed trust. And not only that, the Bible says Peter took him by the right hand. So to give the man his hand meant he had to trust this man that he never met before. They are strangers. He don't know Peter. But he's showing us how to trust people. Now look at Peter. I love this. Because the Bible doesn't say left hand. It says right hand. The right hand is the hand of power. 
The Bible speaks of, sorry, left-handed people, but the Bible speaks of God using his right hand. In most cultures, when you shake hand, you use the right hand. It's the hand of dignity. If you throw somebody the left hand, that's kind of like, come on, man, you don't respect me enough to give me your right hand? Give me your right hand and look me in my eyes when you shake my hand. Peter reached for his right hand, meaning that I'm dignifying you. I respect you. And the man gave him his right hand. Peter's coming at this man differently than probably most people have. But he's trusting again. Somebody needs to trust people again. You got to trust again. Because living in fear, thinking you're protecting yourself, you're just isolating yourself. And the Bible says when you isolate yourself, you seek your own ruin. At some point, you're going to need somebody. God built us to be interdependent. Not codependent, but interdependent. You need folk and folk need you. We need your gift. You need our gifts. But if you stay at home at Bedside Baptist and you say, no, I'm not co- I don't trust folk, you're going to live alone and you're going to die alone. Then they're going to find me and ask me to preach a sermon. And I'm going to have to, and I ain't going to lie, but uh, I'm going to have to fudge the truth or something about you because we didn't know you. He trusted again. Can you trust again? Even the people that hurt you. Forgive them and let God rebuild the trust over time. This man is teaching you. I don't know if you hear it. He's teaching. He's teaching. But then not only that, he got to say, look at me, strong tower. Look at me receiving in verses 6 and 7. When Peter says, I don't have any money, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He received help. He wasn't so prideful as many of us can be. We're cool at giving, but we're not too good at receiving. There's something humbling about having to receive. And No, 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 I got it together. I don't need anything. Yes, you do. You need to receive, and to receive, you got to humble yourself after you've trusted, folks. But don't miss this. Lasagna, I learned this point from your father when I went to talk to him last week. We were talking through this passage, and he said what he loves about this man is that before he could receive the blessing, don't you miss this, he had to first position himself in the right place. He was positioned at the right place. He might not be able to get into the temple of God, but he's near the temple of God. He's near the house of God. He's near God. He's near the people of God. If you want to receive what God has for you, you got to position yourself. you got to be around the right people in the right place so God can do the right thing at the right time. Oh, somebody need to tweet that because I don't think I can say it again. <laughs> got to position yourself. If you're out of position, you can't receive what you need. So you got to get in, you got to get around the people of God. You got to get around the things of God. You got to get around the house of God. You got to position yourself. And this man positioned himself so that he could receive. And the Bible says he received his miracle immediately after 40 years. Immediately. And I ask you, who wants God or needs God to do something immediately? And we all want and need God to do something immediately. But are we in the right position for him to do that? Now watch this. God is sovereign. Watch this now. On this day, this man did not get up thinking, today is the day I'm going to get healed. He's just going about doing what he does, going to work every day. But on that day, God had a blessing for him that was exceedingly abundantly above anything he could ever ask or imagine. He had no idea. His life was going to flip for the better that day. He had no idea, but he put himself in position. But watch this. Peter and John, they're going to the temple, and they don't know that their lives are about to change that day as well. Let's back this up. 
You have not only two preachers that don't have money, but you got two preachers who are successful in the ministry. Because I don't know too many preachers who can preach one sermon and see 3,000 people get saved and baptized on the same day. That was Pete. He's successful. The church was born in Acts 2, but he's not so successful that he still doesn't take time to pray. Oh, man, that, maybe that was just for me. No, it's for you too. Don't you be so successful that God blesses you and gives you the desires of your heart that you no longer have time to go to the temple to pray. He went to the house of God with his homie. I wish I had time to tell you about Peter and John's relationship through the Gospels. Really, they competed against each other. They were always competing. But they're at this place where they're not competing anymore. They're comrades. And they're going two by two into the house of God because they know God can't keep doing all these miracles through the apostles, saving souls, unless they're before God on their faces asking God for his grace. But also that same day, they had no idea that they would be arrested and put in jail that night. So the day they reach out to someone, they suffer for doing what's good. That's why some of us don't want to do good because we're going to suffer. They're going to talk about me. They're going to put me down. I could lose my job. God is sovereign. And just as he healed this man and allowed his servants to go to jail, these things do not happen without his permission and his approval. So nothing happens in your life, whether you get that immediate blessing or you find yourself in prison. Your faith has to say, God is in control. Because they didn't stay in jail long. They got out the next morning, but they still went to jail. So I don't know what you're going through. But look through the lens of this man who's saying, look at me receiving. But then I got to tell you this one now. Look at me praising. Look at me praising. Look at verse 8. He says, so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Mm, mm, mm. There was no music here. And he was praising God. There was no worship leader here. And he was praising God. He wasn't even inside the building. And he was praising God. Because when the Holy Spirit hits you, to say, give me praise and give me thanks. It shouldn't matter where you are. You ought to be able to praise and thank God for who he is and what he's done. And not be ashamed. Because don't you know there had to have been somebody in the crowd seeing this brother over there, whoop, jumping and dancing and going and praising God. Somebody was on the side saying, what he doing? And they always had that face. <laughs> it don't take all that. But that's why, again, you don't know this man's testimony. You don't know where he's been. You, you, you don't know what he's been through. Remind me of David. When David is coming in, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord is amongst the people and a part of his reign. He begins to dance and shout and worship and praise God. And he begins to disrobe in front of the people because he's just so caught up in the goodness and the glory of God. And he went home and his wife, Micah, said, oh, you have so undignified yourself today in the sight of the people. And David said, it was in the sight of God that I danced. And the people respected me because the people want to see their leader praising God. Because if the leader, if the father, if the mother, if the pastor will praise God, it sends ripples throughout the body, out the family, out the generations to say, we're going to praise God too. Because the strongest man I know, Earl Williamson, had no problem raising his hands in the house of God at the dinner table in the bedroom. When I saw Harold doing that, I said, I don't care what other folks say because a strong man is worshiping God. It takes a strong man to know that there's a a strong God who's in control of all things, and I'm going to give him praise while I can. Can you learn from this guy and praise him, even if it makes you look undignified? Uh, we don't do that. When I, My denomination, we, we, we are the chosen frozen. We, we do not. 
lift a hand. We do not shout. We do not say amen. I'm more comfortable being still. It's in the book. Be still and know that I'm God. That's in there. But so is clap your hands, oh ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That's in there too. <laughs> and homeboy said, I've been down too long. <laughs> and I'm finally up. <laughs> I'm going to give God my best praise. Strong Tower, I want to see us grow in the demonstrative worship of God. Now, I'm not saying that every time somebody run around that that's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's flesh. We got to test the spirits and check out the person because it's not how high you jump. It's how straight you walk when you come down. We, we, we got to make sure. But let's not be inhibited in the house of God. That if he hits you to say, oh, pastor, I got a testimony. I got a, I got a word. Oh, I got a dance. Let's give him the glory. This man teaches me how to praise God. Oh, my. You, you can't be cute and praise him. I, I think that was Pep who said that in uh, 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 Stomp with Kirk Franklin. Trying to be cute when I praise him, raise him high. Keep your life, be bump, man. If you can feel something, make the Lord feel something. Ain't no shame in my game, God's property. Getting big with Kirk, ain't no stopping me. Now, Stomp. Oh, yeah, we are, you know. <laughs> You let God, listen, when God does that thing for you that you've been wanting him and asking him, man, shucks. And you shouldn't have to just praise him alone in the corner. You know, some folk get in the corner and start dancing and shout. You ought to be able to praise him in your church. We want to praise God with you too. But I got to leave with this. He says, look at me standing. Look at me standing. After I done praised him, look at me standing. Acts 4.14. And seeing the man who had been healed. Standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Who is they? That's the opposition. Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the scribes. They're the ones who put Christ to death. They're the haters. They're the enemy. They're the opposition. And this man is now standing with Peter and John who are in opposition with those people. It's amazing how those people can shift real quick. And he's identifying himself with a group of people who are hated by the majority of the people in town. But when you know God has healed you, you don't worry about what other people think. Because those same people walk by me every day and didn't even try to help me one bit. Now I'm with two men of God who've helped me, and they've talked to me and shown me the authority that's in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in chapter 3, verse 11, that this man was holding on to Peter and John. I ain't letting you cats go. Y'all for real. So I'm not ashamed to stand with y'all because I recognize now that y'all are my spiritual leaders. I'm no longer living in isolation. I'm now in community, and I have people over me who are pulling for me. Because everybody that's in your circle aren't in your corner, but these two men are in my corner. They stood with me. Now I'm standing with them. And now that he can stand, there's no question where he stood. Now that he can stand, by the name of Jesus. There's no question where he stood. This man is speaking to us, saying, where do you stand? Do people know where you stand? Or are they still trying to figure out who you with? What side you're on? Are they confused because they know you go to church, but they don't see church in you through the week? Uh, where do you stand? You've got fresh water and salt water coming out of the same mouth, and they don't understand. We're confused. Where do you stand? And like me, so many years, I was standing all right, one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. I was straddling the fence, and depending upon which way the wind blew is where I went to put both feet. Oh, if the party was going on, oh, both feet went over here now. But if I'm in trouble, oh, I need God. Here I am, both feet over here. You can't keep doing that. Choose this day 
whom you're going to serve. Put away the gods of your fathers and come stand with God on the side of God. This man said, I'm standing for God. Now, you don't have to wonder who I'm standing with for the game today. You ain't got to wonder. Anybody but the Patriots. <laughs> because of what I'm wearing, you know where I'm standing. Can people know where you're standing based on what you're wearing? And I'm not talking about a little cross around your neck. I'm talking about the armor of God, the righteousness of Jesus, the mind of Christ. Can people know where you're standing based on how you're dressed and clothing yourself? And I've got to learn something else from this guy before I pray and let you go today. He's holding on to these men. He's standing with these men. Why? Because God has used these men to help change his life. Now, this goes out to a few of you who don't have a church home because you don't trust people. You, you've been testing the spirits and watching this church for five years. You haven't committed. Or you've been coming for two weeks and you know the Spirit is saying, go there. Why? Because Felicia and Jerry and Jewel and Pastor Chris and the elders, God is using us in spite of us to see change for the good occur in your life. And now it's time for you to stand with us as we stand to do what God's called us to do in the kingdom through this church. It's time to make a decision today and stop just sitting in the back. Because a lot of times we sit, and if we're unaccountable, that means nothing is expected of me. But once you come and you become a part of this church, we need you. We expect stuff of you, and you expect stuff of me. It's time to stand and be counted. So when I give the invitation today, I'm going to have some green cards up here with me. And their membership cards. We got a class whoop, next Saturday. Come join this sheepfold. I'm not a hireling. I'm, I'm an under-shepherd with my other brothers and sisters. We're not perfect. But this is a healthy place. It's time. Okay? So when I'm done, and you want to become a member of this church, Meet me over here. If you can't come to the class Saturday, but you want to come to the next class, still come up here. Let, let's make it a fit. Come stand with somebody that's helping you. We've been standing with you. Come on. But above all, if there's someone here you've never chosen Christ, a few times today the message went out, trust Christ, trust Christ. I'll also be standing here today, and I've got a beautiful pamphlet I want to give you. It's called When Jesus Said, Follow Me. If you want to follow Jesus, you want it to be today, come on, come grab this from me. It's got great instructions in it. And let's talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Stand to your feet, Strong Tower. Stand to your feet. This man said, look at me suffering. Look at me working. Look at me trusting. Look at me receiving. Look at me praising. And look at me standing. And look at me being used by God. Pastor what do you mean? Because it was through this healing that some would think was just incidental, but it was providential. That Peter started preaching from this. And 2,000 people were added to the church. From the testimony of a lame man from birth who experienced the healing of God. So you think he wasn't one of those ones that came into the church, came into the kingdom? God used the insignificant things to do significant things. He, he used the small to confound the big. He, he used the foolish to confound the wise. He uses lame people to show people how to walk, how to live. This is why we need the poor with us, because they have lessons for us. Let's pray. Daddy, I thank you. Thank you for these folks in Scripture.
who they don't have names that we know of, but you knew and know their names as you know our names. And as you've used them, you stand ready to use us. What a mighty God we serve. Lord, I hear Tremaine Hawkins singing, Look at me, I have been set free. All my sins are washed away. My night turned to day. All because Christ has set me free. If you would like to become a Christian today, a follower of Jesus, ask Jesus right here, right now, Lord, I want to follow you. Would you come into my life and save me? I believe you died for me because you loved me. And I believe you rose from the dead because you're God. And I need you to be my Savior. If you don't have him, if there's a vacancy in your life, ask him today to fill that vacancy. To save your life. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to know. I want to know. Your neighbor wants to know. You got to tell somebody the rest of us, if you don't have a church home and you believe God is calling you to stand with us, I'll be right here at the end of the service. And just like this man came and held on to Peter and John, come hold on to your pastor. Come take my hand and say, I believe this is my church and I believe you are my pastor and I'm sealing it today. You come see me, all right? The rest of us who know Jesus and who are part of this church officially, learn from this man today. Look at him and learn from him. And look at the man on the corner and learn from him. Look at the woman in the shelter and learn from her. Father, we thank you that these things were written for our example and our benefit. Thank you for one more day to learn about the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God, which is really right-side-up. We pray that you bless this church exceedingly, that we may be a blessing exceedingly. Show us who we might serve personally and even corporately, and help us to do it without looking for a pat on the back or our names written in lights. Help us just to give alms, not knowing what the right hand's doing from the left. Help us just to give that gift to that person. Thank you, God. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. It's according to the power that's working within us. To him be the glory, the majesty, the dominion, and the power, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, 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 amen and go Rams. Come holler at me. Church membership, salvation, come holler at me. So church, let other folk come up to me first.